Hello, dear listeners. Welcome to Semaphore Uncut, a podcast for developers about building great products. In this new episode, Darko, the podcast host, welcomes seasoned software leader Maximiliano Contieri. Maximiliano discusses bridging the industry academia gap and delves into nuances of test-driven development and clean code principles. I hope you enjoy this new episode, and let's dive in. Today with us, we have Maximiliano Contieri. Maximiliano, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, Darko, thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Can you give us like a brief overview of your career and how I ended up doing what you're, what you're doing right now? I've been working as a teacher at the university. I've been teaching computer science for uh, 25 years, I guess. And I've been also working at the industry in, in several companies for 30 years. I never quit any of them. So I have a parallel career. I've been doing a lot of stuff from programming, from quality, from a lot of stuff. But lastly, since COVID lockdown, I, I started to write a lot of articles, writing my experience both in the academia and in the industry. And this turned to be a book. I heavily editing the articles, people reading them, or really uh, asked me to write, to compile it into a book. I rewrite all the, the things there. And the book is, is on sale now at um, October 2023. And I continue doing the, the things I love. The, uh, writing about green code, about test-driven development and good practices, feeding from both the academia and from the, the industry and the industry practice. We have recently launched a CICD learning tool with shortcuts into everything you need to know to level up your CICD process and increase your productivity. Also, to ensure that all our customers get the best CICD guidance, we have improved our sign-up process. From now on, everyone who's considering using Semaphore will get personalized CICD expert guidance from day one. Our engineers have more than 10 years of experience, so you'll surely be in good hands. Check it out on our website, semaphoreci.com. Maybe just to mention the name of the book before we go on. Yeah, sorry. Am I lousy marketing <laughs> guy? The book is, is, is named Clean Code Cookbook. It's a cookbook of recipes and it's based on, on Uncle Bob's Clean Code. I have my own recipes and I've collected a lot. The name comes from the Clean Code definition from Uncle Bob's. And there is a show telling there are as many Clean Code definitions as guys programming. I don't have my own, but it's just a common topic to say how to program and how, how to develop software and how not to. And some recipes where you find on the industry, you find some cold snippets with some practices and with a very short recipe, you turn them into a better solution. And the reasons why you do it is not something that I say because I want, because I, I try to provide the reasons. So the, telling why this code is not clean. No? And it's very difficult because things, people think this it's a matter of opinion, and I try to put all my experience to tell it's not just an opinion. Some things have a theoretical background, and some have practical reasons that are not so obvious for the junior programmers when you say, write this code in this way, because it will have consequences when your software becomes a legacy 10 years after. I try to bring my experience and show why this maybe design decision uh, could be no, not as accurate as we want. As you said, you had these, you know, par parallel careers. Can you maybe just comment on that? How do you see 
that career was was it challenging and yeah yes it's challenging because many other sciences rely on the academia first and the industry last and since we are on the top of the technology some things we learn in the industry are more more, more advanced than in the academia and some topics all topics from the academia are not used in the, in the industry so it's at a common tension i live with it And the common tension uh, surfaces when I'm in one of the two worlds, when I'm in the academia and my students have never used, they don't know how the industry works, how it's, and they think that coding is like Hollywood shows in the background, in, in a basement and alone. We try to say, no, it's a common sport with a lot of people, with a teamwork, and it's difficult to, to show them. And on the other side, when you are in the industry, you, you say, but the industry so it has fancy languages and, and mature new languages and you say why do you use nulls in the industry since the academia knows that nulls are bad for 30 years and they use nulls and they use singletons and they use a lot of stuff that academia showed that they were not good a long time ago and you need to be in between the two the two words it's important for everyone to have both the ways if you're not teaching the academia maybe you should read things Uh, academical things or or books on something and not just stay to the standard you use in your work and in the current stack you have on your enterprise because that gets you into a niche and you don't see things around but it, it, it's a tension it's a competition and you need to know where you are when i'm in front of the students i need to be aware they don't understand how the enterprise works because they are the, they have 22 23 years and most of them have If they are working in the in the industry and in the junior positions where people do not tell how they work, how big companies work, and just just do this, and it's not good for them. And also, when you are in the in the work, as I mentioned, you know that some things are good and come from the academia, and from people that are much uh, aware of the knowledge. And you say, well, but this guy has a Turing award. Please read it <laughs> and don't do and don't do that because we are standing on the on the shoulder of giants, people that long ago discovered a lot of things, good things, and we don't really use them in the industry. We move to a next trendy thing and trendy tool, and we tend not to read Fred Brooks, Alan Kay, or maybe guys that have things to say. And we keep making the same mistakes from 40, 40, 50 years because we are in a very immature profession where they are not the academia and the industry. They are maybe two apart, one of them, each of them. With your book, I assume you're primarily addressing a professional who have uh, who has you know a number of years of experience and have seen, or was the was maybe the level of the reader that you assume as you were you know writing the book and putting all those recipes that you collected over the years in the book. The book is mostly aimed for programmers who know how to program and have some vicious or, or pro I don't want to want to put it in a personal way, but they don't know they are making mistakes. And they want me, I don't, I'm not an evangelizer, to show them maybe this thing you are doing is wrong. Maybe you are building anemic DTOs and maybe this has consequence. So believe me or not, if you do this in this way and you replicate your data structures in four set ways in the front end, you have your DTO. In the back end, you have this, and in the database, and you propagate your changes. Maybe this is hurting your development process. So this is not a book 
to learn programming, but a book to read recipes, like, like Uncle Bob's, um, you can keep making a lot of comments on your code, but if you make them, you need to be aware they might have bring you problems in the, in the future because comments tend to be unsynchronized and you should write more declarative functions and classes. This is not a cookbook for uh, solving problems because m most of the, the idea of the cookbook came from the editor. And it is not a common cookbook because I have a lot of cookbooks from the, the, the same publisher. And the cookbooks are, you need to do this. In order to do this, you, you can do this. So if you are working on a cookbook on JavaScript and you want to sum two numbers, hopefully you don't need a cookbook for that. This is a recipe. You take one number, you send it the, the, the plus function, and uh, you get the, the sum. But this cookbook is not so special because it is helping you solving problems you maybe don't know you have. So one of the, the problem might be SQL injection, but you maybe know that aware. So if you have this and you can have an attacker, write this instead. This is not how to avoid every injection. No, no, it's just read this and take it into account in order to make better software. This is for security, for reliability, for coupling. Lots of recipes are related to coupling and how all your changes make ripple effects and everyone needs to change what you have recently programmed and they need to, the impact is too huge. A new business rule takes a lot of months to, to ship. And why this is happening? Because you're making some design mistakes. So if you apply the recipe step by step, like a refactoring to your code, you can avoid this and have a better time to market, for example. And this is a book to, to have it as a back of the mind. You can read it like a dictionary. You have it and you you read it when whenever you, you want. You go to index and read it. Yeah, you need to index it and have it in the back of your mind. And uh, when you encounter a pattern and situation, hopefully a pattern recognition will kick in and you will remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You will say, I, I heard this guy told me that you, I should not use a singleton. So to say, I have a singleton, but I don't know what are the problems. So I bring you and say, this is a singleton. This is the problem. This is how you change it and turn it into dependent injection or whatever. And the book introduces a lot of new, it has a... a a glossary of a lot of good practice, not only solid practices of test-driven development, that when you read, you might say, oh, let's Google this thing this guy is telling me, and you want to, to learn principles like don't repeat yourself and, and a lot of, of this. So it encourages you to read other books. <laughs> That's my what I wanted as, as, a, as, a, end user, as, a, as a writer to read, to the people to read more books and on data-specific solutions and languages, because the book is, is language agnostic. It was it has sources in 25 uh, different languages. We have recently launched a CICD learning tool which shortcuts into everything you need to know to level up your CICD process and increase your productivity. Also, to ensure that all our customers get the best CICD guidance, we have improved our sign-up process. From now on, Everyone who's considering using Semaphore will get personalized CICD expert guidance from day one. Our engineers have more than 10 years of experience, so you'll surely be in good hands. Check it out on our website, semaphoreci.com. Generally, the practice of, you know, TDD and just writing tests and covering your code with unit tests and, you know, all other kinds of tests that there are that was significantly lacking, that it had also a major effect on the quality of code that people are writing in terms of, you know, readability, maintainability and all of that. So can you maybe speak a bit also from the historical perspective of 
you and your your teams, you know, introducing the the, the practice of maybe you know test driven development and generally that, and what are the effects on the on the clean code? We use a lot of TDD on on new systems. Later, the TDD evolved and we started to use in in legacy systems. And it's difficult. I I, I following Ken Beck. He says TDD is not for everyone. TDD is not for anxious people. TDD is not. It has a lot of cultural. Uh, problems because people tend not to hard code and TDD favors you to start hard coding, not to end hard coding, but start hard coding. People tend not to hard code and people tend to over engineer things and design algorithms as long as it sees one pattern and they say, oh, there's a mammal, there's another mammal. And humans don't work like that. We work in baby steps. We see there's a dog, there's a cow, and then we generalize and we discover the mammals. But computer science is a uh, Tend to overgeneralize and start and anticipate and make gold plating things. TDD works on test cases, on evidence, not to foresee what will happen if. This is a problem, and TDD and, and Kenbeck also tell this. And also that some kinds of software are not working good with TDD, maybe machine learning, because TDD needs for you to understand which will be the, the, the outcome so you can write a test and you can cover it with a hard-coded solution. Always hard-code with TDD and after you hard-code a lot, you need to refactor. But since you have a lot of, of your test written, you can rewrite all, all your things, not before, because you have your, your knowledge base. TDD is based on, on incremental learning. It's a learning methodology. It's not a testing methodology. I, I might say it's not even a development methodology. It's a thing, it's a methodology to discover how the world works. So when you're writing your test cases, you are making use case extraction and you are learning. And since you're learning, you're making mistakes. And this goes well beyond with, with David Farley's book about modern software engineering. David Farley says we need to be experts at their learning. And we are not so very humble. We're not very humble as computer programmers. We talk to a, a user, a real user, or to a marketing user, and we think we know all we know. Suddenly, not even good users know what they want. We need to learn together. And this is something that nobody does. <laughs> nobody does. And when you go with this uncertainty and with TD and no, I don't have evidence. I will not code this. Computer science programmers tend to overthink things before we have evidence. And this comes from the academia and the scientific, the scientific method that says don't work until you have evidence. We have a, a, a tension between science and engineering. And engineering, I, I, I'm a computer science, yeah, I'm also an engineering and I have my own tension. And engineers tend to solve problems and computer science and scientific tend to work under evidence. David Farley's book uh, says we need to be, to be both of them. And TDD is a great methodology for discovering, for learning, and for building, so it's very special. But whenever I give TDD talks, I give a lot. I record one yesterday. I'm going to show next week at Chile about TDD. People read it and said, I don't believe you. I cannot do that. And whenever they start, they're frustrated. I say, I will write one test, but I'm not hard, I'm not hard coding. I'm not putting it. I cannot hard code. I cannot write this minimal solution because I know the algorithm. And sad news, you don't know the algorithm. You only know the algorithm whenever you have written a, a good suite of regression testing of good tests and your algorithm works. Because in one of my talks, I develop one of the katas with TDD and then I go to ChatGPT. I use a lot. I use heavily use a, a Copilot and ChatGPT. 
and asking for an algorithm, and the algorithms do not work with all the test cases we have discovered. This is the thesis. We have the algorithm, but we don't know how it should perform. And we cannot change the algorithm since we don't have the test case as a regression. So when you have DDD, you ship a regression test and a good knowledge extraction of the current instant point of the knowledge of your business. And this is stated on the tests. And as soon as you don't discover new thing, this is your truth. And since programming is building good models, this is what good is about, good uh, scientific models of how we, should, we think the world should behave. All you, we need to do is understand what we can see from the world and put it in a behavioral way into TDD and after that in the software that uh, honors the TDD behavior. It's a different approach than normal because we think we tend to write code without understanding how the code should work. And TDD forces you to write code in a minimal way on how it actually behaves. But it's not a single bullet. And this is something that Kenbeck also tells. This is not suitable for everyone. And you need to test it. And it has a lot of re-education and a lot of ramp up. One of the, the ramp up period is extremely hard. I would say it almost uh, also it's very proportional to the age of a person. So someone who had spent writing code the last 15 years without writing TDD and now throwing that person into a TDD train, you know, there, there is going to be, you know, some... <laughs> a relegation, a rehab for all coders like ourselves. Yeah, rehab, that, 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 rehab is a nice word. <laughs> Can you speak a bit about employing TDD in, in legacy systems? You cannot write all your code using TDD until you remove the coupling and the problem. This is, sorry, you cannot. You will not be able to add a new feature using TDD, but you can use TDD in isolated parts of the system and start to decompose the legacy system and you can read Michael Feathers on, on the team's model on how to decompose a legacy system. And you can use it TDD. You can cover parts of the system. And if you are good enough and you work enough, your TDD will become a better system. What you cannot do is, I have a big legacy. I have a, a database. I have a front end. I have a lot of legacy code heavily on globals. Well, it would be very difficult for you. But in, in, in the talk I give, I develop an optimizer of the database performance. And since the optimizer takes an SQL and gives you another SQL, you can inject it in a TDD way. And what I also show in the talk is how in TDD, all of the team members work, not just the developer, because the QA also writes his test using TDD, and the functional analyst writes behavioral tests using TDD. And they, they all inject the solution together, and once I will spoil it once you ship it to, to production and, and for the same conditions are seen, you inject the new case because if you have a problem in your code, you need to start writing a case. You ship your test case with the QA and the technical support things addressing how this new behavior should behave. And this is injected in an isolated part. But in order to isolate the part, you need to break some coupling because, and you can do also, and after a couple of years, maybe. Many different parts are rebuilt using TDD. And this is complementary to the Michael Schroeder book that I think it was before, I was think it was previous to TDD. But you can do it with Feather's thesis on the seamless work and, and how to put small parts with TDD. So 
you can use it in a greenfield. It's easy in a legacy system. It pays off. It's your choice. Try it. And try it hard. No, don't try it a couple of days because it is for anxious people. So oh, it's frustrating. It's frustrating. Of course, it's frustrating. You are educating. You are in rehab. As you were mentioning how you structured the book, maybe you can give us like overview how you, you ended up deciding to, to structure it in such a way. And Well, I, I've written about uh, 400 articles since the COVID pandemic. I've written about three or four per week, gathering code. The book is, is structured in, in several different cap- chapters. The first part of the book is about the thesis that you need to model uh, uh, to create a simulator of the real world. This is the thesis of the book. And after that, all the rules are related to how they impact the simulation and the behavioral. It talks about primitive obsession and enumerating some of the chapters, the mutability, that's a very important concept in, in real world things to be unmutable and in software things to be mutable. Declarative code, a lot about naming and replacing Uncle Bob's many naming rules, about comments, how to write, code standards, complexity, bloaters that tend to gather a lot of things together, Yagni about the things you write in your code, you when will never need it. The, five, five, the fail fast problem, a lot of problem with ifs and nested um, conditions on, on ifs. The null problem, the null is the biggest problem we have nowadays. A lot of premature optimization, coupling, global, testing, technical depth, exceptions, metaprogramming, which is also a big problem, and security, and that's most of what the book is about. What are the main pointers where people can find more about you? Maybe where you can follow me at. Twitter, I would say x.com. My name is M-C-S-E-E-1, I think. I gave a conference last week. I'm having another one, as I mentioned, next week. I record postal like your own. Thank you very much again. Maximiliano, thank you so much for sharing all this knowledge and wisdom that you gathered over so many years. Again, for people who want to learn more, feel free to grab a copy of the book. Thank you so much again. Thank you very much again. What a great conversation. We hope you enjoyed it and learned something new. Make sure to subscribe to Semaphore Uncut on your podcast player of choice so that you don't miss our new episodes. And stay tuned. 